Welcome to Faithism, the podcast connecting believers and non-believers and humanizing the people on all sides. I am your host, Aaron Yancey, and this is our 10th episode. Today's episode is going to be a little different, guys. The number one question I get from listeners is, Aaron, why haven't you told your story yet? Well, y'all are going to get your wish. For this two-part episode, I sit down with Nolan from episode four and my good friend Adrian Armel for a little chat about, well, me. Now, I would have been perfectly content with continuing the podcast without these episodes, but I'm not one to ignore what people want. And I guess it also gives you a little insight about why I started this podcast and why I'm so interested in hearing other people's stories about their journeys into, out of, and around faith. I wanted to make sure this was done right, so I chose two of the coolest people I know to interview me. I trusted them to be respectful and thorough, and boy, they were. Uh, We had a great time making these episodes for you, so I hope you enjoy them as well. I think maybe a good way to start the show would be to talk about uh, what we're doing here today. Because, uh, surprise, <laughs> listeners, this show's been hijacked. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who've been listeners, um, I you should know that I don't like to talk about myself very often. Um, and when I do, it's very brief and vague. Um, so today, we're actually going to be interviewing me. Uh, my podcast has been stolen by my good friends Adrian and Nolan. I'm that back. Rhymed. That rhymed. <laughs> nice and poetic. Uh, yeah, Nolan's back. Um, and then we also have my friend Adrian. So why don't uh, you guys know Nolan? So why don't you introduce yourself, Adrian? Hey, folks. Uh, so my name's Adrian. And actually, my my wife was, I believe, the first episode of Faithism. And I have known Aaron for ever, it feels like. Um, I grew up in good old southern Indiana. For my kind of brief faith background, I was raised in a, a non-denominational church. My mom's side of the family was all Southern Baptist. My dad's side was all Catholic. So we were kind of raised somewhere like monkey in the middle. Um, I would say I like personally identify as Christian light uh at this point in my life um, christian but i have i have had uh, a lot of time with aaron over the years and experiencing the different uh phases of of faith or not faith and i'm just i was so excited that you invited me to come do this because i want to force you to maybe not force that's not the right word but i really want you to have the opportunity to share your story because it is so unique and i'm excited to hear more about you know what got what got you into wanting to make this podcast and and i also want to hear from you where you are now but um i'll kind of let nolan just briefly remind us who he is too oh i uh, <laughs> yeah hi i'm nolan Weetop, and um you if you've listened to the show you know enough about me um, so I am still the, uh, the current Jewish, uh, person on the show, and, um, we all, yeah, we all kind of grew up together, although I would say you two probably grew up more together than, uh, me and Adrian, though, were neighbors growing up, uh, in early childhood. Very cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. same neighborhood. Good old Eastlake. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Those are the days. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So for my own for my own self, uh, I am also I identify as a, a trans man. So I use he him pronouns. But if you could both remind me what pronouns you use, that would be great. Oh, no worries. Uh, he him as well. I am also he him. Beautiful. Just, just a you. room of dudes. <laughs> just, just a bunch of fellas hanging out. A bunch of bros talking about faith and, and, and not faith. All, so, all, all of our baseball uh, caps are backwards. <laughs> And Aaron, we're... I'm super happy to get to put you in the hot seat, but I will let you do some easier questions first. So tell us about like your hobbies, your vacations, things that bring you joy. Um, all right. So 
My name is Aaron. I'm the host of Faithism. It is currently my biggest hobby. Things that bring me joy. I love bringing other people joy. That's what really seals the deal for me on happiness. So I like to entertain. I like to make people laugh. Um, I like to be a dungeon master for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I am. I'm currently running two games, and uh, a, I'm a player in a third. Um, so that's also a big part of my life is role playing games. Um, I think just getting to sit around a table and play pretend with your adult friends is probably the pinnacle of um, adulthood. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's nothing better than recapturing your childhood in that way. So I guess maybe it's arrested development. Maybe it's just trying to recapture a sense of wonder. Um, But that's what I like to do. Uh, I'm also a musician. Uh, I play in a band called Gray Sky Summer. We have a couple albums out on Spotify. I play drums and sing for the band. uh, And occasionally hop on a bass track or two. Um, So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I work a lot. I hang out with friends a lot, mainly family. Um, And by family, I mean like my wife's sister and her spouse and uh a couple other friends it's more like a found chosen family but yeah wonderful um i just want to put out there that you are someone who has who i've always thought of as like it doesn't matter what instrument is in your hand it's just like somehow you have that keen ability to like i'm gonna mess around with this and like whatever comes out is like magically musical uh and i you know there are some people who i feel like have that uh but i have always thought of you as one of those people who just like there is something inside of you that is just like got that i don't know like that spark or touch or whatever but yeah it seems like somehow you you're always able to just like have music flow out of you and i think that's such a cool thing (laughs) I play a mean copy machine at work. <laughs> I often beatbox to the rhythm of scanning documents. <laughs> we do what we gotta do to survive, yeah, you know? I mean, I think at one point I was singing uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire September to the to the rhythm of the scanning mm. documents. I'm gonna sneak in one more question then I'll turn it over to Nolan here, but I want you to tell your listeners about yourself and what has been your what whatever you would call your faith journey over the years like words that maybe you would have used to describe yourself at one point and maybe words that you'd use to describe yourself now but just tell us about yourself and your own faith journey a little bit oh boy that's loaded <laughs> uh, <clears throat> i guess okay so i was born and raised christian um we Got into the apostolic faith when I was around five or six. Um, And then from there, we stayed in that faith until both my parents and myself left the church. I'm I'm here to play village idiot. So uh, which is a part that fits me like an old coat. Um, (laughs) Explain explain the religion that you just said that you grew up in. Yeah. So apostolic Pentecostal, I believed that. Um, there was one God and his name was Jesus, that Jesus was a manifestation of the, the father of the old Testament. So we did not believe in a Trinity per se. Um, we thought that was heresy. Uh, we also believed that the path to salvation was a three-step process where you repent of your sins, you're baptized in the name of Jesus, and it's very important that you use that phrase, um, because being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were just titles of God, and you had to be covered by the name. Um, And then you received the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, with evidence, um, the evidence of which would be speaking in tongues. Um, so we believe that that was the three-step process to salvation, speaking in tongues, sealed the deal, and you're on your way to heaven. Uh, and then further than that, we believed in sanctification, 
which was a process after salvation where you begin to change things about your life or you know if you were if you were indoctrinated and grown up in the church then you would already have these things nailed down um we call them holiness standards so women had the brunt of the <laughs> the standards no uh, way <laughs> yeah so <laughs> women could not wear pants uh, they could not cut their hair uh, they could not wear makeup or jewelry um they could not have skirts that were higher than their knee and had to cover their knee. Some churches uh, believe that you had to have your sleeves to your elbow or further. The church that I grew up in wasn't particularly strict on things like wedding rings. Uh, some of the churches that I grew up around, however, they would exchange like wedding watches, um, which is interesting. Um, or like exchanging Bibles. That was another another uh alternative so i don't know it was there was a lot of rules there was a lot of um dogma that was involved in apostolic pentecostalism uh and you know it's not a monolith not every church is going to be the same um you know some churches that i grew up around their women wore foundation or um you know trimmed their hair but kept it long um you know so there there are variations in in every denomination in every denomination that you come across like no no one denomination is a monolith uh i i mean we believed heavily in praise and worship um so music was a very big part of my growing up in the church um i began to play guitar when i was about 7 years old and by the time I was 12, I was playing at church on the platform for worship services. I would also play bass. Uh, my dad was the primary bass player at the church. And so I would uh, fill in for him if he was not going to be there. He taught me everything. Um, so, you know, that was a big part of our walk of faith was worship. So that's that's a little bit about apostolic Pentecostalism. And... You know, by by the time you're hearing this, I've already had a couple people in the Apostolic Church on the podcast. Hey, so, <laughs> um, so that'll be or former Apostolics at least. Um, so yeah, that's that's just a little bit about. I mean, you hear stories about snake handlers, and I was a step away from that. You know what I mean? Like rolling around on the floor, speaking in tongues. Uh, you know the the whole nine. Um, but yeah. Definitely not snake handlers, because so, I don't think I would have jived with that. Wedding rings, bad. Bass guitar, good. Yeah, yeah. So okay. music, <laughs> music was definitely a great thing uh, in the church. Like, you know, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Um, right. And so, you know, we were big into demonstrative worship. If you love God, you better show it and. Do it like you mean it. <laughs> that was that was going to kind of be my next question of like, like what is the sales pitch for this religion? Because it it seems like there's a lot of rules, but like, it, so it sounds like it's kind of like, hey, like come over here, we're kind of having a jam band party. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's uh, the music is a big selling point for it. Uh, also, escaping hell. Uh, if you can instill yeah, enough right. fear of hell in someone, then um. You're going to do whatever it takes. And I think a big factor in why people choose apostolic Pentecostalism um, is that there's a structure to salvation that it's a, it's a, it's a laid out plan. Mm. It's not some amorphous except yeah, you only got three steps. Yeah. <laughs> it's got three steps. Come like, on down. The paperwork's easy. Yeah. So, um, it's not some amorphous, like, just accept Jesus. It's like God has sealed you by giving you the gift of the Holy Ghost, and that has shown up, and we know it's shown up because you spoke in tongues. And I could go on a whole tangent about, like, tongues and the and, social and psychology of that. Uh, <laughs> that's basically Pentecostalism in a nutshell. And what is the hell situation going on? Because I know that for me, like, that was... A big reason why I was able to kind of move in and out of my faith was 
uh, Judaism doesn't have a lot of hell. Like, yeah. you know, so I never really had to worry about like, all right, like if I'm if I'm dropping this, things could go real bad for me real fast. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like that was a big problem for you. Yeah. So uh, like a lot of other Christian denominations, we believed in a literal hell with fire and brimstone. We believed that there was this event called the rapture that could happen any five minutes now, any yeah. five seconds now. Um, and that there's going to be a trumpet that blows and all of the saints who are on the earth are going to be caught up with Jesus in the sky. And that the dead who were in Christ are going to rise from their graves and also be caught up to Jesus in the sky. And that we were all going to fly away to heaven together. And those who are left behind were condemned to uh, suffer in the tribulation. And then the only way you were going to be saved was martyrdom. Um, if you took the mark of the beast, you're screwed for eternity. Um, uh, I mean, there are lots in that. So basically at the end of Armageddon, which you're going to have to go through if you get left behind, um, at the end of Armageddon, God comes down and throws all of the demons and Satan and all the people that did not follow God into a pit, a burning pit for all eternity. And he's going to lock up the devil and then everybody's going to be happy who, who made it. Your God sounds way scarier than the God that I grew up with. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> this guy sounds uh, that's not chill. Old Testament. Like, that's some Old Testament wrath right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, we, I mean, I very much believed that, and I was very scared of the rapture. Um, I've told the story. Trauma is real. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I remember watching videos of, like, like, these really bad movies that people would make about the rapture, and they were so bad. Uh, like just quality. I don't mean content. I mean quality. It was, these guys like had a home video camera and were like in a basement and they were like, Armageddon's going on outside. Doesn't it suck that we were left behind? (laughs) Aaron, I'm going to need these tapes. If I could find them, I would. Oh, geez. I need them for my collection. (laughs) They were, oh dude, like. Growing up like that really sucked because I was so afraid of the rapture that I had, like, really bad anxiety from, like, any time my parents would go somewhere or, like, and I was worried because my grandparents weren't apostolic and didn't have the Holy Ghost. Like, my grandparents had never spoken in tongues and I was like, oh, this is, you know, my grandparents are going to die one day and they're going to go to hell and I'm going to be in heaven and they're not going to be there with me. And like, it just really hurt. You, uh, you kind of just answered one of the questions I was going to ask I, because I was like, all right, how does a family join this church? Like, is it something you're just born into or it, it sounds like your parents kind of moved into this? Yeah. So we converted when I was about five or six. Uh, my mom had a boss. She was working at Posey County Co-op in Griffin. She had a boss there. She was the secretary. And her boss was the father of a local pastor who pastored an apostolic church in Owensville. And so I grew up uh, having converted to that church when I was super young. And that pastor kind of shepherded us into the belief system that, you know, I, I, we had until my early 20s. Can you uh, walk us through the tongues? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so there's a term for it, and I forget. Glossolalia. You, yeah, glossolalia. I was deciding between that and echolalia. Uh, but yeah, so glossolalia is basically the phenomenon where your language centers of your brain shut off and you're talking gibberish. But why, though? <laughs> <laughs> so, in the book of Acts, it talks about how um, on the day of Pentecost, uh, 
all the disciples after Jesus had ascended. Jesus told them to all gather in Mary's upper room uh, and wait for the promise. So they all went to this upper room and they were all praying and waiting and hanging out. And as they waited, the Bible talks about flames that started like resting on their heads. And they began to speak in languages that they didn't understand. But other people in the crowd who had gathered around this place because things were happening. Uh, so the crowd had gathered and they began to speak in languages and people in the crowd who spoke different languages could understand what they were saying. And Peter preached this sermon. He was like, this is the promise that Jesus promised where he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your old man will see old men will see visions and your young man will dream dreams. Um, uh, you know, this is that there were lots of sermons titled, this is that, um, it's funny. <laughs> there are certain like key phrases, like almost like dog whistles mm. that you the have, greater good. that you have, yeah. yeah, that you have programmed, uh, from like being indoctrinated and, um, that's one of those this is that which was spoken by the prophet joel and also just having to memorize scripture constantly there are other instances in scripture where people have kind of inferred or is inferred the right word into the text tongues the idea of speaking in tongues so it's an outward sign of an inward seal if that makes sense so the outward sign for, you know, the Apostle Paul prayed over somebody to receive the Holy Spirit and something happened. It doesn't say in the text, but there were people watching and they were like, what is this magic? And so they would infer in the text to say, because like Simon the Sorcerer was one of them and he, because he was like a mage or whatever. Um, and you know, practicing like street magic, probably. That makes Jesus um, a cleric, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, Simon was uh, watching uh, this happen. He's like, by what power do you possess this magic? And so, um, Paul was like, you know, explaining to him the gift of the Holy Ghost and all of this stuff. And so, you know, we were always taught that that was probably tongues because what else would he have been doing for someone to say, oh, that's magic? Probably just Penn and Teller's opening bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, Card trick's not good enough here. <laughs> yeah. So kind of it's poor exegesis is what it is. It, it's taking two scriptures, two pieces of scripture, and pulling evidence from one and plugging it into another. There's no evidence that in that instance with the Apostle Paul was there tongues involved. There's absolutely no evidence. But if you pull context from other pieces of scripture, you can like put that into the text to make it sound like, oh yeah, that's what that was. It's just, I don't know. So uh, clearly I've, I've never experienced speaking in tongues. Whenever that happens, like... <sighs> I, I'm trying to think of a kind and nice way to put this. Sure. Like, like, are you buying into it while it's happening? Or 100%. is it hundred percent? Okay. Okay. That was my thing. Some people know, like I interviewed a girl who used to be apostolic and she was like, I felt like I was faking it every time. Okay. That's because like the closest, I guess I can get to is like, I've been part of like, like I got called up to a like hypnosis show oh, yeah. and it was like, Oh, you're going to be hypnotized on stage. And, like, you know, when it got to your part, it was like, all right, I have to pretend like this is happening because I don't want to be like the only... Like social pressure, right? Yeah, you don't yeah. want to be the only jerk not. Uh, but, like, you're, you're kind of buying into it, like, a little bit. Like, you're like, oh, yeah. But you also, in the back of your head, know that it's it's not happening. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, that was my big question was, like, as somebody who's left the church, like, while it was happening... Did you feel like it was happening? Or yes. Was, okay. A hundred percent. That is wild um, to me. So not not everybody's had that same experience. Um, like I said, you know, some people legitimately feel like oh, I'm just faking this like every time. 
Um, but for me, it was like almost muscle memory. It was a learned behavior that um, happened when my emotions were heightened. I remember there was a moment when I wasn't even praying. I wasn't doing anything, but I almost hit a deer. Mm. And my like system was so juiced that because uh, I had hit a deer like the year prior and like totaled my car and it was like really a bad situation and i like this this was not a this was a baby moose okay <laughs> and i remember almost hitting this creature and i parked my car and i just started crying and speaking in tongues gotcha like it was such a it was autonomic almost i didn't even think about it when my emotions were up or when i was praying um there were like certain triggers i, I feel like that would just trigger speaking in tongues. Oh, man. Yeah. I've actually heard stories of people who've left the church who were praying years later. And, like, he has nothing to do with apostolic Pentecostalism anymore. Um, in fact, like, he's very, like, liberation theology and um, queer theology. And uh, he was talking about how he, like, was praying and began to speak in tongues again, almost like an old hat that you put on and it still fits. Um, so, you know, it's it's definitely something that needs more study. It's definitely something that is a result of, I feel like, groupthink and social pressure at the beginning. But when you're in it long enough and you're indoctrinated long enough, it becomes second nature. Yeah, I... I not to jump forward too much, but I feel like if I had something that was almost, and I know this word has a lot of uh, weight to it, but like was almost possessing me, I, I feel like that would make leaving a church really hard because you're like, you're feeling that much. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of fear that's put in you that this, this is a gift that you're squandering. And I feel like I want to like, because I can see you right now, I want to describe to the people who are just listening, like, as we've been talking about this, I've been watching your shoulders, like, slowly encroach your ears, and I can just <laughs> see, like, I can just see the tension in you, so, like, have a nice breath, and just, like, I just, like, I feel the need to almost say, like, you are safe here with us, you know, um, and, like, you know, I, I love that you have the space of this podcast to share these things, and it's very vulnerable to say, like, I believed in these things and this was, this is how I was raised. And, you know, these are, these are things that really informed my view of the world. And I, I kind of want to get into, cause I, I feel like there's a part of me that I was very much there for, for some of that period of your life. And we had bits of time kind of in between. And now if, if I remember correctly, and if I've heard correctly, you, you would identify as like an atheist. Is that, is that's that the correct. word you'd use now? Yeah, that's okay. correct. So, fill me Ag in agnostic on atheist. Agnostic. Agnostic atheist. Yeah, so okay. agnostic keep atheist. one toe in. Yeah. So the the reason I say that is because uh, I I think it's unknowable to know whether or not there is a you know God uh, okay. like a big G. Um, I am an atheist when it comes to a lot of specific gods. Mm -hmm. uh, I am an atheist when it comes to Norse mythology. Um, I'm, you know, and any, any good practicing Christian would tell you the same thing. I don't believe in <laughs> Zeus. I am an atheist when it comes to Zeus. Um, you know, like when it comes to the Christian God, I am an atheist, especially the one that was preached to me when I was younger. Um, yeah. so I, I, I say atheist out of ease, mm -hmm. but truly I'm an agnostic atheist because I believe okay. that like it's unknowable. So there, there, there is maybe, there's maybe something, there's maybe not something, but you feel like you, you are like, okay, I, I, when I see it like that, I don't think that that is it. Correct. Okay. So fill me in then on the in-between time. So you were raised apostolic Pentecostal. Um, I know you went to a Bible college. I did. And, uh, so just fill me in on like what, I don't want to say like, I don't want to say it as like what happened. <laughs> but just fill me in on the in-between time of, like, what was that process from, like, point A 
to point B because I know it wasn't a straight line. No. Or I'm thinking it probably was not a straight line. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, when we all we all went to high school together, like, I know while we were in high school, you were very religious. Yeah. And I was also very double-minded in high school. Uh, I think... <laughs> Sorry, I can't look at you for this. <laughs> I think... Uh, there were a few people that I let the let the veil slip a little. Um, not a whole bunch because of safety reasons. And I did not feel safe. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm pretty queer. Obviously, that connotation in, in the church that I grew up in was negative. No um, way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I was definitely very double-minded. I had a few close people who I trusted and confided in, Adrian being one of them, probably because of our similar um, similarities, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, we shared some struggles. We shared some struggles, for sure. But I guess I had like a soft coming out where I stuck my foot out the door of the church and then a whole bunch of people smacked my leg and I put it back in. <laughs> Who, who like 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 for example my at, parents gotcha primarily my parents my my church uh church family which huge pressure to call them your church family by the way we called everyone brother and sister i don't like that yeah yeah everyone in the church was brother or sister i i know just from listening to the show that you did t- you talk about fairly regularly that that was one of the biggest parts of like the hard part of becoming an atheist was losing that church community. Oh, yeah, hundred um, percent. Because you're told like these are your people forever, and so whenever I stuck my foot out the door, um, I did a semester at USI, which was largely unfruitful. I think I I learned more about myself than I learned about anything I studied at USI. Um, mainly because I didn't go to class very often. It was my first, like, foray into the world and getting to, you know, live out from under the thumb of my parents, um, for a small, a small taste of what that freedom would look like, um, and what it would look like to truly be myself. I got my first girlfriend at USI. Um, how'd the family take that? Well, they didn't know until uh, until towards the end of the semester, and my mom was like, you're dropping out and going to Bible college, or we're done with you. Bible college was the equivalent of military school. <laughs> yeah, and she gave me an option. She did give me the option to go to Oakland City, but honestly, I don't know that it would have been a lot better. Um, and also I had the opportunity cause they were going to pay for me to go. Like they were just like, we want you saved more than anything. So Bible college in Indy was cheaper and it was away from Evansville. Mm-hmm. So I could like make a clean break, uh, because I knew in my heart of hearts that there was no way I could stay in Evansville and stay in the church Gotcha. at that point in my life. Because there was too much, too much temptation. And people who knew, knew me. And it was like, the best thing to do is make a clean break. Now, when you went to Bible college, did you feel like when you were going, you were going to try and get back into finding a faith and getting back into the church? Or was it uh, almost a, uh, like, I, I'm going to be away? I put myself through conversion therapy. Oh, no. Um. It was 100% my choice, um, and, and it was an online program, so it wasn't like the horror stories that a lot of people have, but it was still very psychologically damaging. I have one question. Why? Because I wanted it bad. I wanted to be normal. I wanted to be saved. I wanted my parents to love me. Um, I did not want to lose them. And I certainly didn't want to lose my church family because they were my people forever, for all eternity. I I mean, there's no other reason than I wanted so badly to be accepted by my parents, to be accepted by my church, 
um, and to be normal and for God to take away the feelings of wanting to be a boy, the feelings of wanting to feeling attracted to women, the feelings of self-expression that I desired uh, that I couldn't do. I wanted God to take that desire away. And if that meant going to therapy for that, that's what that meant. Yeah, and, and what does conversion therapy look like? Um, so it was an online program uh, through a certain ministry. I don't even know if they're still running. It was a sister ministry to Exodus International, which a lot of people know about. Um, I don't. Okay, so... <laughs> Exodus International is probably the was probably the front runner of uh, ex gay ministries, and Exodus International had a a leader who I say recently I would say within the last ten years uh, it came out. Now. Huh? Yeah. Because we're old now. Yeah, because we're I, old I, now. I don't like these words that we're saying. <laughs> uh, within the last ten years he publicly came out and said because he was like famously ex-gay right he publicly came out and said you know i my wife and i are married and we're happy my attraction is to her but i'm gay i'm always gonna be gay i'm still gay and i like shoes and that's literally <laughs> that was the that was, that, the was bow on. that was the that was the conversation and uh so he like came out and the whole ministry fell apart after that. I, it closed. I, I was going to say, I, and I, I don't want to be offensive, but I, I th whenever you said like the ex-gay ministry, I was like, in my head, I was like, oh boy, that that is a very musical ministry, I bet. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a... Uh... There's quite a few, um, you know, I could rattle off the top of my head. Passion for Christ Ministries, Living Hope Ministries, Exodus International, uh, Love One Out, uh, which is a branch off Exodus International. Um, yeah, there are lots of them that exist. But it, it's like the big ones are failing. I feel like that's just like kind of evidence that it doesn't work, right? I mean... It, like evidence, evidence-based things sometimes conflict with different, different theologies. Sure. So I don't know. the The issue is there's that anecdotal evidence, which, by the way, is fallacious to build a whole belief system off an anecdote. Uh, but there's that anecdotal evidence of that one guy I knew from high school who prayed the gay away, and you know, like. There's always that somebody knows like one person and you know, this person is probably miserable and, you know, living in an apartment with a wife and two kids and, and, uh, regrets the fact that he'll never be able to like be himself or has convinced himself that this is the way. Mm. Um, and that's fine. Uh, let them live their life how they choose to live it. Um, maybe they had a phase and uh, were just curious and found out that it wasn't for them. Maybe, who knows? Who knows what the truth of the matter is? But you can't ignore <laughs> the elephant in the room of all of these leaders in ex-gay ministries <laughs> coming out and saying, and Exodus International is not alone. There are others yeah. that I can't, I can't think of the name of them right now, but um, there are others that um, were huge. Uh, especially out in California and homeboys like living with his husband now and like in a, on a ranch. <laughs> like, uh, I just can't even imagine like the, like, I, I hope that they feel kind of guilty of just like, yeah, no, we're going to ruin a lot of people's lives, but Hey, now I'm beautifully married and I live on this ranch. Yeah. So there's a great podcast called conversations with people who hate me and it's run by a queer, um, a queer person uh, and uh, the podcast did a series on conversion therapy and I'm sold one of the <laughs> one of the leaders of a very large movement was who I'm talking about that like lives on a ranch with his husband and stuff and it was like he sat down and talked with someone who had gone to their camp 
and had stayed in one of their residential facilities because there are facilities. Um, and a lot more damaging than anything that I went through. Um, but so they had a conversation and it was very much like, I want, I don't want you to atone, but I want you to be accountable. And I think the end of the conversation ended pretty well. Uh, he, you know, he's doing some work to really put back into the queer community and stuff like that. So yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, to kind of jump off where where we've been okay so you you're going through conversion therapy you're in bible college yeah yeah we're in it to win it yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) what happens um a couple things happen uh and mind you none of this caused me to lose my god belief did i lose faith in the church absolutely did i lose faith in god absolutely not uh that comes later but a leader, uh, a certain certain leadership in the Bible College, it got You're out. Such a nice human. I'm, I'm I can trying see it in real your face. hard. I'm trying real hard. Yeah, for the listener, Aaron is trying so hard not to throw out names and numbers. <laughs> yeah, don't dox people. It's not nice. Um, it got out that I struggled with same sex attraction, which is the dog whistle term for gay. Mm-hmm. Um, same-sex attraction because they don't want to call it gay or queer or anything. Yeah, bad words. Unless it's a slur, then we can use it. Um, so it got out that I was experiencing or I had struggled in the past with same-sex attraction. Mind you, at this point, <laughs> there was nothing. I was so empty of all everything that there was no issue with attraction of any kind i was kind of earmarked uh by the dean of music who i was the teacher's assistant for my senior year uh and junior year um i like graded all his papers i did transcribing for like people who would write songs and give me a recording i'd make sheet music for it um that was like my gig whenever i was in college that's that's what kept me going was music it really was because everything else was empty Mm. um so anyway mind you like by this time this it got out that i had struggled with this or whatever like around my sophomore year um or into my freshman year beginning of my sophomore year and i remember conversations that were had with the dean of music he was always like, you know, it doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter what you've done. You know, God is loving and forgiving, and he's still going to use you. And I was like, that's great. Um, you know, I, I vibe with that. Like, awesome. Um, and, like, that terminology of being used um, is so poignant. Yeah, but no, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't have time to get into it. Um, <laughs> maybe that's for episode two. Uh, part two of this uh interview uh, but anyway god's still gonna use me awesome I'm, I'm down for that my senior year um i've always i always auditioned for this this singing group that was like the premier singing group of of the bible college and i was like all right i'm gonna audition for this i've almost made it every year it's my senior year there's two openings like i've got to get in and the this one leader that I had really wanted me in. I was blocked because of my struggle with same sex attraction. But and, and it's your senior year of Bible college. Yeah, you've been there for four years, and nothing has happened in no. four years. I have not. I have not strayed away from the path since I had started. <laughs> conversion therapy i did not there was there was nothing that i had done to make anybody think anything other than this is the thing i'm following all the rules i am following every rule i am abiding by curfew there was curfew on the weekends i I, this is it sounds like a bad camp (laughs) like yeah Yeah. so sneak out to see a movie 
Oh, yeah, no, none of that. Yeah, there yeah, were some yeah. people that got uh, Movies are not good. got expelled because they went to a movie theater. I, I, I want to interject one day if we ever do a second <laughs> episode. We have to bring up when I got, I got, uh, I don't know if this is a bad, I, I got stolen away to a Jesus camp. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, and we can talk about that some other time. That's dope. But I got I got taken to like a conversion Jesus camp because, um, and I, I'm kind of okay with throwing out who it was. I can you know I'll 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 give you some time. I'll say the name and then we can edit yeah. around if we need to. So. <laughs> I, yeah, keep in the laughter. Out the name. <laughs> yeah, so I got it, it was a real um, like, oh yeah, it's gonna be a really fun like two week camp, and we get there and like immediately as soon as we got there, they divided the kids into the like these are the kids that knew what was going on, and these are the kids that got invited. Yeah, and like oh. looking around like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, and like the first thing was like, here's your Bible. And we're Oof. and we're going down to the lake. <laughs> About to get yourself baptized. Yeah. So sorry Ooh. for hijacking for just one no, second. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, mine. It, that was only two weeks. You had four years. Yeah, I did go to a retreat in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. The, it was a Love One Out conference by put on by Exodus, and uh, I went to the Mall of America. Had a good old time. Brought a friend with me. Her, whose mom was a lesbian, which, by the way, certain leadership at the Bible College decided to tell us that we can no longer be friends because her mom was a lesbian, and she basically told me to cut her off. I, and again, like, just to circle back, because, again, you had four years of following every rule. Do they just have, like, a dedicated team of, like, researchers just, like, <laughs> cruising through Facebook and Twitter and all of this, just, like, we got to find out where these gay people are yeah i mean it's it's kind of an obsession for some people i remember that there was this one particular leader that talked about how she had been asked to speak on the spirit of lesbianism at a conference the spirit of lesbianism is my favorite band yeah i would love to hear that (laughs) probably not the same one but the idea of that is really (laughs) delightful to me and uh so she was she was uh, asked to speak on the spirit of lesbianism at a conference and the devil attacked her with an illness and she wasn't able to go and she talked about how like it was a really bad affliction and it was from satan but she like she had built her whole ministry around preaching to girls and women about not sleeping together like and i was just like what is your obsession with I think we know. People. I think we know what the obsession was. <laughs> it was just like, come on, man! Like you, you've got to have something better to do than mess with people like that. Anyway, um, so I had been blocked from several avenues of ministry because of my past, and uh, it just hurt yeah. that I had. I had done everything right, and still there was no payoff. Right. And there was n- – I, I was being told in one ear that I was going to get used by God, and in the other ear was hearing that God can't use someone like me because of my history. Like a history that can never be deleted. And it's like – so what now? What's the point? So after I graduated, I went back home and served in my local church as a youth leader um, because my pastor at my home church was cool. Like, he was super dope. <laughs> I, I do think it's important to note there are good ones. Like, they're, most are probably yeah, pretty good. But mind you, I had opportunities for paid positions. Mm-hmm. Like, I had gone to school for four years. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, had yeah, opportun- yeah. I have opportunities in leadership for paid positions at churches. I took an internship that was a paid internship. Wasn't able to do anything because, again... Yeah, black spot. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just went back home, served in my local church, um... I worked at a Christian school as kind of a teacher's aide, um, and like I taught kids music lessons, got them ready for things like uh, their. It was like a Christian version of solo and ensemble, 
um, <laughs> which was interesting. And, and while all of this is happening, are you still like personally believing in everything? Oh is... yeah. Okay. Like I still hadn't lost faith in God. I had just started losing faith in the church. Um, right. Well, yeah, because and... it keeps kicking you in the shins. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So I got to the point to where there was a church plant in Evansville that was happening. And I talked to my pastor and I was like, look, I really want to help this church get its music department off the ground and like help them like start doing their thing or whatever. And, um, he was like, you know, you have my blessing, go, go do what you feel like you need to do. I was like, okay, this is cool. So meanwhile, I got my first not church related job. And I started meeting people who were not like me as an adult. <laughs> I I still wore the skirts. I still let my hair grow long. Um, but I started like kind of spiraling in other ways. I started drinking. I picked up some other bad habits that I still have to this day. Uh, <laughs> and... I was just kind of hiding all that from my pastor and, and the church. and But I started, like, hanging out with people who were, like, really kind, really loving and giving and forgiving. And I was like, man, this is kind of what the church is supposed to be like. Now I'm feeling these feelings. Yeah. yeah. And, like, people that were, like, okay with wherever you've been. And, like, they were okay with me being a Christian. And at the same time, they were okay with the journey that had gotten me to that point. There was no judgment from these people outside the church. Um, and it just kind of – it shocked me a little bit. And I remembered a moment that I will never forget. Right before I had left for Bible college, I got invited to go to an 18-plus – uh, pageant. It was a drag show. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm about to go sign my life away to Bible college for four years. Um, I might as well have one last hurrah before it all. It goes was your away. bachelor party for <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember the, I say those people, I'm one of those people. I just remember those people being so accepting and they're like glad i was there like people that i'd never met in my life were like come come sit with us let's let's have a good time you know like here's a couple dollars go go tip the the drag king and i was like this is dope (laughs) like these people are so nice and i had pushed that memory away because I was like... Oh, that memory has to go in a hole. It has to go deep <laughs> down into the pit. Yeah. Um, and so I started remembering things like that in my life when, you know, like my friendships with Tim and with Adrian and, you know, these people that had been there for me when I was at my most vulnerable and my most confused. And the only people... <laughs> that truly were there for me were people outside of the church family that I was told were going to be my family for all eternity. Mm. Those were the people that were there for me. So, um, I start putting that together. I'm just like kind of living in this limbo double life. Um, you know, hanging out, smoking weed with my neighbors and then going to church, <laughs> like, um, just living a complete double life. And I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Did you oh have a no, I uh, like. Does anybody in the church like notice or like? No, no, nobody notices. And that was the Bruce other Wayne thing. Batman. Gotcha. That was that was the other like that was the other thing that tipped me off that something was up because. Yeah. If they would have noticed, they would have said something. And if it was really all that bad, God would have told them. Because God tells them an awful lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? God's been giving them a lot of search history, apparently. (laughs) Like, God tells people things that that are leaders over you. And if God hasn't told them what I'm doing, something's not connecting. Yeah. Something's messed up. 
And so I um, I remember going to this watch night service. I was playing drums for it. And I just decided that I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and, you know, because, like, it's youth. It's mm-hmm. a, a lot of youth. So we we're, like, you know, playing the good shit. Because <laughs> 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 youth service, you save the good shit for youth service. Oh yeah. Um, but it was a it was a watch night service. All the youth were gathered, and um, we were playing some music. And um, I was really into playing the drums. And I was sitting there playing, and I'm just like, <sighs> it's falling apart. <laughs> I I'm falling apart. I can't do this anymore. If I go one more day. Pretending that I'm something that I'm not, listening to the voices in my mind, in my in my community, that tell me, not that I'm not good enough, but that I'm not clean enough. I wasn't preserved well enough. <laughs> um, am I going to listen to those voices, or am I going to listen to voices that accept me unconditionally and love me unconditionally, good, bad, and ugly? And I was like, I can't go another day. I just can't do it. I can't keep living a double life. That's off the table because that's just yeah. – even the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, right? Um, <laughs> so I can't, I can't keep going. And so my options were this is going to kill me or I am going to leave. And yeah. both of those options terrified me leaving terrified me because of everything that we've already talked about um losing a faith community would just be was just horrible because i had i felt like i had no one (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. i went from having all these people to like nobody i didn't know anybody in the queer community in evansville except like the one person i went to high school with that was queer um i spent lots of time with tim (laughs) i was like man um but I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anybody except the people that I grew up around in church and like three coworkers. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was really hard losing them. Uh, but I, I had to make a choice and I made a choice and I don't regret it. It was like, it's like stepping into the sun for the first time. Like you've been in a dark house and all the blinds have been drawn and, you step outside into the sunlight and you're scared at first because it's going to be hot. Um, it might be too bright. Your eyes might hurt at first. But then you, you get your, – your body gets used to it. After just a few seconds, your body adapts. And that's kind of what it was like. And, and what, does, what does that look like? Where, like, you make that choice. Like, in my head, I'm picturing you at the drums, and you kind of just put the drumsticks down and no. walk away. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished out the service because, I, you know, I finished my commitments. I had other, like, commitments that I wanted to follow through with. Um, and then, but I emailed my pastor uh, on January 1st. <laughs> and I was like. Year's resolution right here. Yeah. I was like, here's the situation. I'm queer. <laughs> And I know that that doesn't jive with your belief system. But my belief system has changed. And I understand if you don't want me back in your church. Um, I also have XYZ things that I can't do now because I'm no longer in ministry. um, Because of my orientation. And as much as it pains me to say, you know... I'm sorry for what that's going to inconvenience you, basically. Um, hey, my life is falling apart. I'm <laughs> sorry that this might be kind of a pain for you. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm sorry for – and I apologize, too, for, like, being that Bruce Wayne Batman for a while. Um, because that, you know, that wasn't right to be living a double life, I feel like. Um Either I'm going to be honest with myself or I'm not. And so I just I just told him, I was like, look, it's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that anybody's done. This is just how it is. I have tried for years yeah, to you, play the part. You put I, in the work. I gave it a literal good college try. 
And um, I, I, I came out the other side still exactly the way that I was. And anybody that says that I didn't try hard enough can suck it because I tried. Yeah. Um, and so I just – I emailed him and I was like, look, I love you and your wife. You guys are amazing. You're good people. But this is where we part ways. And uh, he was so understanding and so kind about it. But there was that underlying, like, you know, you're, you know you're going to hell, right? <laughs> like, if hey, you spoiler ever, alert. If you ever want to come back and pray through, you can. Like, that kind of, that kind of attitude. But, like, it's well-meaning. He came from a good – it comes from a good place. Um, I don't fault him. He's not one of those megachurch pastors that, like – sucks people's money he was a a home missions church plant pastor who wanted to give back to his community and like make a difference so i don't fault him at all for that um i fault the people who were making money at that college yeah i really do um because let me tell you the president of that bible college had a big old house well that was part one hopefully you enjoyed it and you tune in next week for part two Thank you so much to Dustin Smith for helping me write and record the music for the podcast and to Megan Lawler for our thumbnail. Faithism is written, recorded, and produced by me, Aaron Yancey, your friendly neighborhood atheist. Be sure to subscribe and leave a comment about what you thought of our show. If you have a story to tell and would like to be on the podcast, send us an email at faithismpod at gmail.com. That's F-A-I-T-H-E-I-S-M pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, even if we disagree about God, we can always agree about our humanity. See you next time.